How did Sebastian spend so much time under the sea? Doesn't he need to breathe air? No. Crustaceans have gills. What? Dangerous Auditorium in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 74 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're ringing in 2017 with the second annual Thrilly Awards, as well as our New Year's gaming resolutions. And later, we're building the King of Atlantis, Aquaman, in the Character Creation Forge. So before we do that... Wizards of the Coast is on hiatus for the holidays, but we are not, so we've got some Unearthed Arcana to catch up on. Yeah, we went through four of the recent updates recently, and now we've got two more, the Monk and the Paladin. And then we're actually up to date, which is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we have for the Monk? We've got two new monastic traditions, which will feel at least a bit familiar to those of you who have been fans of the monk for multiple editions. First off, there's the Way of the Kensei, which has a spotty history. In 4th edition, it was actually a fighter paragon path. Yeah, I think it was a monk prestige class in 3.5. Right. So a Kensei is basically a a sword saint. It's martial weapon monk, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's someone who dedicates themselves wholly to using... Well, traditionally, one type of weapon forever. Yeah, so if you need your uh, your buster sword, this is the way to get it. Well, maybe not as written. <laughs> well, you can get a great weapon, right? Yeah. So, you know. But let's talk mechanics a little bit, because I've seen chatter on Twitter. You and I have talked about this. The mechanics, the way they are on this page, are wonky. They're confusing, for one. Yeah, the ability doesn't really add to your monk weapon class features. It kind of replaces them. Although it doesn't really replace them. It gives you something to do instead of them. Yeah, so lots of... The the monk's main martial arts ability is tied to using either unarmed attacks or monk weapons. Mm-hmm. The kensei does not use a monk weapon. It uses a kensei weapon. And the thing that you might not realize on first inspection is that once you have that quote-unquote kensei weapon in your hand, you lose quite a few of your monk abilities. Right. And normally you would think, oh, it'll just make an exception and you can use a different kind of weapon. Nope. Not at all. Nope. Yeah. You can't use martial arts to make a bonus action attack. So it just gives you another thing to do instead of doing that. With your bonus action, you just add a d4 bludgeoning damage, which is way worse than making an extra attack. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only exception would be if you choose a monk weapon as your kensei weapon, which, I don't know, I guess you could do that. But the main benefit you get there, you get that bonus action attack, and then you can also forego one of your attacks uh, or, you know, turn it into an unarmed strike as part of the attack action, and then... You're holding your Kensei weapon, which gives you an AC bonus. Great. So really, this is the uber-defensive monk. (laughs) Except it's only a plus two bonus, so who cares? So I'm going to hold a short sword in my hand. I'm only going to attack with unarmed strikes, and that'll give me a plus two bonus. I guess I could do two short swords and take the uh, feet. That'll give me a plus one AC. So I got a plus three AC, 
out of this. I, I, it's not the worst. Okay. But you lose a, out on a lot of damage. You lose out on all of the like monk things <laughs> that open hand monk does. Plus, I'm not too up in fighting. Right. <laughs> so then at level six, you get this sort of weird thing where they make up for it, or they try to make up for it by making your Kensei weapon magic um, for you know overcoming resistance and, and whatnot. But then precise strike, which um, doubles your proficiency bonus on your next attack roll. This is not an elegant mechanic. There are a lot of things already in the game that increase your chance of hitting it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to reference a proficiency bonus and then double it like expertise which while confusing at first you do it one time and then write it on your sheet and you're done yeah this is now you've got to do that every time you use this ability yeah and spend a bonus action which of course means you're not using the other abilities right uh that at level 11 you can spend key points to give a plus one plus two or plus three depending on whether you spend one to three key points uh, to your weapon this is too good i think it lasts for a minute and there is no restriction on how high the bonus can go so if you have a plus two weapon you can just add another plus three to plus that three to it yeah yeah which is the problem uh-huh. <laughs> like it's fine for uh, a, a non-magical weapon mm-hmm. does not work if you already have a magic weapon not at all especially if you've got something like a sun sword where it has a really rad effect naturally, mm-hmm. and then you're also adding plus three to it. Yeah, flame blade. Yeah, yeah. Compare this to magic weapon, which is a concentration spell. Yeah. And then at level seventeen, you get unerring accuracy, which I actually think is perfect at this level and for what it does. On each of your turns, if you miss with a weapon attack, you can re-roll it once per turn. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Um, it's similar to the ranger mechanic from the uh, revised ranger. Yeah, it's simple and elegant. Oh, I missed. Hold on. Okay, I hit. Yeah, it's like I, I'm fine with the conditional third attack. Yeah. Right? If the condition is I missed on one of my attacks. Yeah, it doesn't break bounded accuracy. doesn't require extra math. So what do you think of this one? They really need to fix Kensei weapons. Uh, yeah, I... You pointed this out, and it just seems like the simplest solution is make the Kensei weapon a monk weapon. Done. And then fix the other abilities so that it's balanced. Right. Like, if the early level ability lets you pick a great sword as your monk weapon, okay. You know? But just, yeah, balance out the other things that you get. Of course, if you look at it right now, they don't really get anything else because all of their other quote-unquote class features are the thing, same things you would have gotten from monk anyway. Yeah. Then there's also the Way of Tranquility, which is, I guess, the healing monk. It's Zenyatta from Overwatch. I don't understand your nerd shit. Yeah, well, this one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a secret if you follow Mike Morals on Twitter, he has been playing Overwatch quite a bit and tweeting about it. So it doesn't surprise me to see some influence of Overwatch in these Unearthed Arcanas. Mostly I'm okay with that. I actually think this is a cool idea for a monk, uh, one who is a pretty elegant healer his main thing is he gives up attacks for heals so the path of tranquility gives you the ability to cast sanctuary on yourself every minute if you would so choose this is so much better than the open hand monk ability that you get at much higher levels yeah yeah i I mean this is like kind of his thing right (laughs) like the open hand monk gets all of the special attacks at third level yeah so 
because you can cast this up to once a minute, it means you can break your tranquility by attacking. And then cast it on yourself in combat again. Yeah. Because you presumably don't have to cast it at the beginning of every combat. Right. I mean, it lasts for up to eight hours. So functionally, you can begin every single combat with Sanctuary up. Yeah, it's a, it's cool. I mean, it, it basically means that you won't be targeted easily, mm-hmm. which is great. And I like that since it is essentially at will, you make a great scout. Right. I'm going to sneak into the fortress. Um, well, you can't uh, ambush me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pathfind through these woods. Pretty sure none of the animals are going to attack me. Yeah. It also has this uh, this cool thing where you can kind of wade into the middle of combat and not really have to worry about being surrounded and that sort of thing if you've got some non-combat objective to accomplish. Yeah, do you remember when we built the combat medic all the way back in, I think, like episode four? Uh, the tub thumper. No, that that was the uh, the one who refused to heal and instead would only resurrect. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> the combat medic was the one who like, ran into battle to like lay on hands. Oh, uh, yeah. I would absolutely dip three levels of this monk because you, you can just run around the battlefield and no one will care. Uh, I would actually... Wait till we get to level six. You'll just play this monk. <laughs> well, what happens at six? Well, actually, sorry. So finishing out at third level, you also get an ability called Healing Hands, which is mm, lay on hands on steroids. Yeah. Because it's 10 times your monk level, so it's a much bigger pool of hit points. And what's neat about it is you it, when you use Flurry of Blows for a key point you can replace one of those attacks with a use of healing hands. I think this is a brilliant mechanic. Yeah, so I've heard people concerned that this is going to step on the toes of the cleric or other, you know, kind of healing focused. <laughs> but having played a cleric for a brief period, I am happy when I don't have to heal. If somebody else takes like it's one of those activities that you know you need in the group, but it means you're not doing other cool stuff when you have to heal. Yeah, no cleric is like, hey, man. You stole my niche. I was going to heal them and not attack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're giving up a, a small thing, you know, one of your unarmed strikes in exchange for a big effect, uh, which means it's also something you could do without it just waiting to drop to zero, which I think is really helpful and flavorful. Right. And you're still acting. Well, it, it has to be part of You have yeah, to attack right. on that turn as well. Which, right? Yeah, it, Flurry gives you two attacks, and you can only use one of these for healing. Right. So it's great. You wait into combat next to your ally. You attack the same target as them, and then you touch them. Right. And they feel better. <laughs> uh, then level six, you get Emissary of Peace, which is level six for the monk is kind of a ribbon ability anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very much so. It it's, it's, gives you uh, bonuses to charisma checks to avoid violence, which is cool and flavorful and whatever. I'm not going to get too worried about it, though it's obviously very situational especially with some groups (laughs) like if you're the average murder hobo that's not going to be so useful in your group yeah who plays a high charisma monk there are no points for that (laughs) true at level 11 you get douse the flames of war which has a super awesome name but everything else about it is terrible yeah this is dumb this is really dumb uh you gain the ability to temporarily extinguish a creature's violent impulses okay so that's the calm emotion spell that's kind of cool i actually i gave Kallik in Morning Glory a ribbon ability like this where he could cast calm emotions at will, right? The art of fighting without fighting. Yeah. But it has a huge caveat. Automatically succeeds if it's missing any hit points. And also it ends if the target is attacked, takes damage, or is forced to make a saving throw, 
or if it witnesses any of those things happening to its allies. So the only time you would want to be using this is in the middle of battle anyway. Right. And it can't be done. Like yeah. you, you all have to throw down arms. <laughs> At the beginning, like it has to happen before there has been any bloodshed. Yeah. It's uh, quite pointless. Yeah. And it's a level 11 ability, which means it's it's defining that tier of play mm-hmm. for the monk very poorly, very yeah. very poorly. Try to end literally any bar fight in any game with this ability it can't be done no it it cannot and then at 17 we get a cool ability that should probably come sooner mm-hmm. uh, anger of a gentle soul again awesome name makes me think of zenyatta uh, but you gain the ability to visit vengeance upon someone who fells others so when you see a creature reduce another creature to zero hit points as a reaction you give yourself a bonus to all damage rolls equal to your monk level until the end of your next turn so someone takes out one of your allies you can now go full supernova on them for starting out plus 17 damage per hit (laughs) if you think that that's too strong just remember that the long death monk at level 11 can't die so yeah and and i mean also you know this you can only use it once per short rest Mm -hmm. so it's not like it's gonna happen every time an ally drops you're not you know it's it's not gonna happen that often yeah and it doesn't trigger until you are already in a losing position right so i would actually bump that up to 11th level and then give something like mass heal or the healing effective wish at level 17 because that's when you get ninth level spells for everyone else anyway and it's your one ability is that you heal stuff yeah i think that would be probably be fine yeah and then keep in mind if you get this ability at level 11 it's only 11 damage per hit yeah so All right, let's move on to the new Sacred Oaths for the Paladin. There are two of them, uh, and if you thought that the monk write-up was a bit wonky, Paladin really confuses us. Uh, Well, for one, there's two Paladin Oaths, but they're both anti-Paladins. Yeah. So, cool. And I'm fine with moving in that direction, but these don't really fit the bill for me. Uh, yeah i don't even like moving in that direction to be honest well okay so there's oath of conquest now this at first glance sounds a lot to me like the old actually it was unearthed arcana in third edition the paladin of tyranny it was the four paladins that represented each extreme alignment so the normal paladin was lawful good and then there was the paladin of tyranny which was lawful evil the paladin of freedom which was chaotic good, and the Paladin of Slaughter, which was chaotic evil. Mm -hmm. And I always really loved that idea. Like, I would actually rewrite the code in Neverwinter Nights, the video game, when I played, so that I could be a Paladin of Freedom, and, like, you had to be chaotic good. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you would. (laughs) Of course I did. (laughs) But, I mean, this really falls flat. So let's, let's take a look at the mechanics, I guess. You get Oath Spells. They're fine. Yeah, I mean, they're, um, they're all quite aggressive you're gonna use them on smites yeah (laughs) doesn't matter your channel divinity is just recycled from other classes you can frighten someone for a minute or you can use the war clerics plus 10 bonus to your roll i mean that one's good yeah either those are fine yeah but then at level seven you get an aura just like every other paladin (laughs) not quite just like every other paladin yeah that's true (laughs) well first off the effect is dumb (laughs) Uh, enemies in your aura have disadvantage on saving throws against being frightened Mm -hmm. so i guess you better double down on things that frighten enemies yeah 
uh, keep in mind that the uh, Oath of Conquest spells that you'll have at that point do not include ones that cause fear effects. Right. You just have your channel divinity. Yeah. Um, it's not to level nine that you gain fear, <laughs> which which is the one that should really synergize. Yeah. Let's compare it to Oath of the Ancients, which isn't that great of an oath mechanically, which gets resistance to damage from spells at this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, of course, Devotion, which makes your allies immune to being charmed. Uh, yeah, and then this one has some very strange wording as well. Super weird. It, it includes your space, extends 10 feet from you in every direction, and is blocked by total cover. What is the point of all those? I, I'm okay with the block by total cover thing. The idea that if I'm if I'm hidden from you, I feel safe, whatever. But just say it, you know, enemies within 10 feet who aren't in total cover. Yeah, I, I actually still have a problem with it because my allies still get a bonus to their saving throws if they're on the other side of a door. Well, true. I don't know how that works. Yeah, they know you're there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but fear not. Like the Oath of the Ancients at level 15, you can no longer be charmed. Yeah, only eight levels later. Right. <laughs> and not for your allies. Uh, and then at level 20, and all of the level 20s are kind of iconic for the Paladins. So. Iconic, but also kind of lackluster. Uh, true. Um, this one, uh, Invincible Conqueror, lasts a minute, gives you resistance to all damage, lets you make an additional attack, and you crit on a 19 or 20. Uh, once per long rest. Yeah. I I like it. That's, yeah, that, yeah, it's perfectly fine. That works in a boss fight. Yeah. So I that's what I would want from a conquest-focused paladin. That said, I still hate this idea. <laughs> like, none of the, like, other than the level 20 ability, none of this really strikes me as conquest. Right? Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. I am perfectly fine with the idea of a paladin of conquest, but this isn't it. Yeah. Especially the fear effect as an aura, it... That doesn't make sense. <laughs> like it, yeah. that, that doesn't mark. Being afraid of things doesn't doesn't give you conquest. That's what I. Those two things don't align for me. Well, let's take a look at the next oath. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the next one is oath of treachery, which in its write up is constantly referred to as a blackguard, which you may have also seen that word thrown around a lot in the oathbreaker paladin. So who knows what a blackguard is anymore? Yeah, there's. A gray box that sort of calls out that you can use one or the other, whichever you prefer. But, but like this one really comes across to me as kind of like very dick dastardly, like twirling his tiny little mustache. <laughs> I mean, like, ha ha, I will show you treachery. It, it is only because of the names of the abilities. The actual <laughs> abilities themselves, like mechanically, don't strike me that way at all. And many of them would work better or fit better with the flavor of the Oath of Conquest. Yeah. So to start you get you know some paladin spells and and it includes things like invisibility uh mirror image haste which i think is a first i think just having haste on this list is probably i think mechanically bumps this paladin up near the top like Mm -hmm. it's devotion and this yeah um it also gets uh greater invisibility so it can spend fights invisible dominate person yeah well yeah it can spend fights invisible at 13th level and later it can it can just do that without yeah. a spell. Yeah. So uh so it gets a couple of neat channel divinities. It gets a conjure duplicate, which kind of gives it um a complicated set of mechanics that basically gives you a dupe. Yeah, I think it's basically the channel divinity from the trickery domain of the cleric. 
And then it also gives you Poison Strike, which lets you poison your blade and then gives you extra poison damage on It's a pretty sweet amount of damage. It is really nasty. 2d10 plus Paladin level. Or if you have advantage... 20 plus Paladin level. Just max the dice. Yeah. Now, it is poison damage, and there are a lot of things that are immune or resistant to poison, but it's a lot of damage. So... You will note uh, a wonkiness with that uh, having advantage on the attack business. Since it automatically maxes your damage, you don't actually get to re-roll that on a crit. Oh, yeah. Mm. So because it's a fixed number of 20, it's just 20, which, you know, is what you would expect on a crit. That's your average. But Congratulations. Or actually, I guess it's technically below average, but whatever. Then at level 7, you get an aura that mechanically is almost the opposite of the previous aura because it's great. It's amazing you get two advantages from this aura it mostly just benefits you so first off you get advantage on melee attacks against any creature that has one of its allies within five feet of it you're like the anti-rogue you're yeah you just turn flanking into your own advantage yeah (laughs) like the you you just trust you have faith in the divine (laughs) i would love i think the horde breaker ranger should have this agreed uh, that's or say the conquest yeah paladin, exactly right like wade into a horde of warriors and come out the other side it's called cull the herd why why is that not the conquest paladin yeah um and then you also get treacherous strike so if a creature within five feet of you misses you with a melee attack you can use your reaction to force it to reroll against another creature of your choice and that's three times per rest short rest yeah which is like it's really just redirecting an attack that misses you yeah, which th- doesn't necessarily have to be treachery you know it doesn't have to be flavored that way but like that's really good yeah for some reason it is flavored that way and it is much better than any of the any of the other redirect attack abilities that we see like the flare from the light cleric or the um protection fighting style yeah or whatever it is that the enchantment wizard gets oh yeah yeah then at level 15 you get Blackguard's Escape. So it's right there in the title. As soon as you are hit, you can use your reaction to turn invisible and teleport up to 60 feet to a spot you can see. Isn't this the racial ability that Firbolgs get? <laughs> I've, I've decided Firbolgs are all actually Blackguards. Uh, yeah, they can't yeah, be trusted a for race sure. race of Blackguards. Uh, you remain invisible until you the end of your next turn or until you attack, deal damage, force a saving throw. Super handy escape ability. And then at level 20, Icon of Deceit. Stupid name. (laughs) You are invisible. This is, you know, you spend your action and this happens for a minute, right? Like every other paladin capstone. You're invisible. You're just invisible for the whole minute. Mm -hmm. If you happen to be damaged by a creature on on its turn, it has to succeed on a wisdom saving throw or you control its next action. Yeah, auto-dominate. Right. I mean, you know, assuming you aren't incapacitated. So if it knocks you to zero, you don't get that <laughs> perk. Uh, and then you also have, if you have advantage on an attack roll, you gain a bonus to damage equal to your paladin level, which obviously is 20. And then, of course, I'm going to just use that along with your, my channel divinity. <laughs> right, yeah. So base 40 damage yeah. on an attack. Uh, I, I mean, you have advantage. So actually, it's just straight up 60. Wow. 60 damage on a hit when you have advantage uh compare that to the paladin of conquest who's supposed to be good at this right 
<laughs> they don't want to kill anyone. <laughs> Apparently they, not. Right, they, they they want to conquer them and then turn them into chattel, I and guess. Then, and then get wrecked by a pallet of treachery, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I I gotta be honest, like the Oath of Treachery is a terrible name. It's it's terrible thematically, but mechanically it looks really interesting. It is yeah. it is definitely a, a fair choice compared to Vengeance or devotion paladin yeah i think absolutely um I, I i like i told you earlier i think it reminds me a lot of a 40k inquisitor i would be happy to have played brand as a paladin to 20 with this yeah i could see that i would like to divorce the sort of sneakiness from the uh, conquest right for lack of a better term like this is a better conquest paladin mm-hmm. i would like to move the damage dealing uh, away from the like invisibility powers oh by the way you know because you're invisible you have advantage, advantage on attack yeah. rolls <laughs> yeah awesome better at sneak attacking than rogue yeah <laughs> so yeah that's special all right so as new unearthed arcanas come out we will continue to review them fingers crossed that we're going to get some sort of compilation out of this All right, so this is the point in the show where we would normally discuss the Morning Glory campaign. We are taking the week off. Um, The Morning Glory campaign is done. So we'll begin recapping Rogue Trader next week at the beginning of 2017. Well, there's been a lot of talk during our game sessions about bringing Morning Glory back for a free-for-all to figure out if Bastion comes back to life or not. I solved that problem. We're good. (laughs) Let him come back to life. It'll be way worse for him. <laughs> I want to see Emery throw down. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I agree, all around. All right, so this is the part of this show, I guess this year, that all of you have been waiting for. <laughs> but definitely with bated breath. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Edge of your seats. This is the 2016 Total Party Thrill Awards. The Thrillies. Now... For those of you who haven't entered, that's fine because no one enters. No one enters. Yeah. There's no prizes. Mm-hmm. No one really acknowledges that they've won. Uh, it's just us talking about things that we like throughout the year. And next time, I think there should be an entry fee. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Let's start monetizing this podcast. Yeah. It's an honor to be nominated. Here's your bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of nominees. <laughs> so the first category of this year's Thrillies is Best Unearthed Arcana Supplement. Obviously, it's the new Paladin Oaths. Yeah, definitely. But what is it for real? The award goes to September's The Ranger Revised. Yeah, and not that we were necessarily fully in love with the content of it. No, we weren't. But the direction of admitting, hey, we screwed up The Ranger. People aren't happy with The Ranger. We're going to take another pass at it in a future supplement is perfect yeah i think it sets a really good precedent yeah and you know honestly if they just released what's in unearthed arcana i wouldn't really complain too loudly so it's a good supplement i would complain loudly i want them to keep working on it (laughs) okay just keep it as vaporware (laughs) (laughs) no no we wanted a good one (laughs) i do want to give an honorable mention here to december's fighter archetypes we got four of them. I think at least three of them were very strong and very close to what we would consider to be publishable. Yeah. Everything but the Arcane Archer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving right along and staying in D&D, the best fifth edition supplement official. 
we went back and forth on this. We did. It was very much between Volos and Curse of Strahd. Yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, the award goes to... Volos Guide to Monsters. And I'll be honest, I think we were looking for reasons for it not to be Volos Guide. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a year when Kobold Press, which is a, a great company and a great publisher, came out with their own bestiary, The Tome of Beasts. This is a year when Curse of Strahd was a was a very strong adventure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast did something very different with Volo's Guy than they have compared to all previous bestiaries in D&D history, as far as I can remember anyway. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, we've done a full review of the book in episode 69. We've guested on other podcasts and talked about it. We have read this book cover to cover. Which I cannot say about many D&D books, to be honest. And, you know, we've been very vocal about some of the shortcomings that it has, but on the whole, it is a really excellent product. Yeah, and D&D is like the one game that gets away just publishing stat blocks. Mm with very little other information in a book and charging full price for it. I really like this. This is what other games should do with their bestiaries is say, here's some stuff to use, but also here's how to use the stuff you have mm-hmm. and and make your games better. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm really impressed by Volo's Guide. Artwork notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, if we get one book of this caliber per year... Well, that's all we're ever going to get. Probably. probably. <laughs> but like, uh, I will say, okay, I'm glad that it was this quality. Yeah. Of course, that means that honorable mention goes to Curse of Strahd, which we really need to give a shout out for bringing back an entire new campaign setting. That, I mean, I think it's a, it's a much more open-ended campaign mm-hmm. than a lot of published adventures are, especially from Wizards of the Coast in the past. Um, it's, it's LBGT friendly with, uh, with some of the characterizations. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a, a really neat thing in how they built Strahd as a BBEG who is present, but not just going to be defeated or just going to fight you and go back to his business. Right. But he's still got that stat block where if you try a full frontal assault, you're going to just get wrecked. Uh, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Until, until you get pretty high level. Yeah. And of course, as a podcast that began uh, as Eberron focused, we're really happy to see anything branching beyond Forgotten Realms. Even if they had to kind of pocket to mention it into Forgotten Realms. Yeah. But, you know, I think it'll be a long time before we get an actual Eberron campaign setting. But I'll take an Eberron adventure. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Just open it up to DM Skilled. That's yeah. all we need. All right. Moving right along to best gaming Kickstarter. I think we might be a little bit biased here. But the award goes to Invisible Sun. So are you saying that we're biased because we had Monty Cook, designer of Invisible Sun, on the show to talk about it and to talk about Planescape? Or are you saying we're biased because neither of us backed it? (laughs) Look, we were in the middle of interviewing Monty and putting on our podcast, and it seemed like a conflict of interest. Yeah, that was it. Right? Yeah. It had nothing to do with the fact that you had just gotten married and that I have a wedding upcoming. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And I, that it was like $400. Your fiance is not interested in that as... It would have been perfect centerpieces. Mm, yeah, Man. you're right. We blew it. But... No, actually, I'm not interested in any wedding that doesn't have a centerpiece I can't drink out of. So... Oh, well, you're going to be disappointed. Oh, man. I aim to displease, sir. You constantly exceed my expectations. Uh, but let's talk about the actual merits of Invisible Sun. So, one, it's it's really ambitious. 
it raised a ton of money. It basically set the bar much higher for tabletop games. Yeah, if we were just going to rate this award based on success, it wins hands down. Right. Um, I think the world that they're building sounds really, really neat. Uh, I'm interested in the mechanics around intercession play. I think that's a a really important trend that I I think could really enhance gameplay. I think their connected campaign idea is is really novel and and interesting, and I want to see how that goes. I'd love to hear people playing it. So I, I think it's it's ambitious and it's it's pushing the envelope, which is what these awards should be recognizing. Yeah, and you know if you look at Monty's history, all of the different worlds and campaign settings that he's created, uh, I think Invisible Sun stands up there with some of his other really good work. Mm-hmm. Numenera, Planescape. Yeah, L- the list goes on. You left out Tolis. I did, which I love, by the way. All right, so. What was our honorable mention? Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to Murders and Acquisitions by Nerdburger Games. This was a, a first time Kickstarter from a small company in Atlanta. Um, it's a it's kind of a jokey themed game, but written relatively seriously. At a time for me when I work in an office and I, I have to deal with the cutthroat corporate environment, it's a nice release to be able to read about if cutthroat actually meant slitting throats. Uh, which is basically the theme of murders and acquisitions. I hope that some one of some of your coworkers are listening to this. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but it's um, you know, it's neat to see a, a game that's been uh, created by one person and and brought to life through Kickstarter, and I'm really excited about it. I just got the PDF actually a couple days ago. All right, our next award, best RPG book. In what may not be a surprise to our regular listeners, the award goes to. Enemies Beyond from Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, this was a Warhammer 40K Dark Heresy 2nd Edition supplement. And as it turns out, the last Dark Heresy 2nd Edition supplement. Which is also the last supplement to win this award. (laughs) So far, (laughs) Fantasy Flight has swept this category. That's right. (laughs) I have a feeling they're not going to take the third one. I don't know. There's a new Star Wars book coming out. Could be good. Uh, But yeah, you know, this is... uh, They've done a great job of blending lore and mechanics in these supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, each one focuses on a different Ordo within the Inquisition. This one was about the Ordo Malleus, which are the demon hunters. So it's got a ton of cool gear. It's got a ton of cool ideas for relics and corrupted relics and, and all types of different things that are uh, really, I, I have enjoyed trying to incorporate into our Rogue Trader game. Plus stats for insanely powerful greater demons. Oh, yeah. Fun ones, real they, fun ones. Numbers that don't even make sense. They're great. Yeah, uh, this is basically the epic level handbook for Dark Heresy Second Edition. Yep, it is something to aspire to once you've got I don't know fifteen thousand XP under your belt. You'll get there. <laughs> I don't know about that. We're running out of fate points. True. And I want to give an honorable mention again to Volo's Guide. Like I said, I, when when a book comes along and you think this is how every book of this type should be written going forward that's pretty compelling so i i would love to see that as the new format for bestiaries across the industry yeah it is a bit of a departure for wizards of the coast and it's a direction that we're very happy with Mm -hmm. and then our next category is best tableside resource this year the award goes to squire specifically the character management app by Shane Hurd, yet another Shane. A better Shane. Uh, no bias here. Uh, it was actually Cameron at our table who recommended it, 
and we tried it out. It's a fifth edition, uh, basically online character sheet, but there's a dice roller integrated. Uh, it's tied into the OGL, so anything that is available there, which is about half the PHB, is already in the database, but you can add custom material if you want. So I've actually gone through and added, you know, a bunch of spells from the Elemental Evil Players Companion, and, you know, once you put it in, it's in there. So, you, you know, you can use it yourself. You can make entire new subclasses. It's it's really handy. Yeah, and I think... You know, there's lots of different solutions for this, so it really is all about user experience. Mm-hmm. And Squire has been really good for you guys, so uh, I'm I'm happy to see it recognized. Um, and I want to give a shout out to City of Brass, which is what I use as my um, both for collecting ideas for my campaigns as well as for my character sheet. I believe they are thrilly winners. They they won the thrilly last year. <laughs> and our final award, the Grand Thrilly, if you will, is for Best RPG Company. And the winner is Together Games. That's T-W-O-Gether Games. So they are the publishers of Phoenix Dawn Command, as well as the upcoming game Illamont, uh, another candidate for uh, Best Kickstarter, though not an RPG. And of course, this is Keith Baker's company. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about Phoenix Dawn Command. We... We were lucky enough to playtest it, uh, backed it on Kickstarter, proud owner of Phoenix Dawn Command, uh, love that system, card-based RPG, cool world, lots of cool lore. I had a chance to catch up with Keith at a Catacon. Uh, he shared some of their ideas and plans for supporting that game going forward, uh, especially around print-on-demand tarot-sized cards, which has kind of been the, what's holding up further development but uh, that's apparently been worked out which is neat oh perfect yeah because they were he was teasing that at, at gen con right when we ke- kept running into him in like a weird stalkery kind of way it was a little uncomfortable by the end <laughs> not for me <laughs> um, and then Illumat is the game that he has designed it's a it's an actual card game not an rpg but it was partially designed with the decemberists and uh it's a it's just a really clever, neat, fun card game to play. Uh, it kind of brings you back to, you know, playing like Pinochle or Bridge. Or maybe like a fun card game. Like, asshole. Great. I'll, now I'll go beat that. Here, Revolution. Sometimes President? President. I there think that's go. what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst parents. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I guess it was kind of more like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the thrillies for this year. Of course, it's just us talking about our favorite things that happened in RPGs. Uh, let's move on, looking towards 2017. Oh, yes, this year's upcoming gaming resolutions. Basically, what are the things that we didn't like about ourselves this past year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about this past year first. Uh, Ishan, I have your resolutions in front of me. Yes, I didn't do too well. Yeah, so did you run a Dark Heresy game? No. Did you uh, improve gender parity in NPCs and in the character creation forge? I did a better job of creating NPCs with gender parity. I will say throughout the entire year, I made a conscious effort to uh, make sure that I was alternating back and forth between he and she when we were talking about the character creation forge. There were definitely times when I came up with a backstory for a character that was basically evil (laughs) and didn't want to pin that on a And I was like, oh, well, I feel kind of bad doing that let's just oh evil lady is what we're gonna do so we have not yet achieved gender parity no i'm definitely still working on the next year 
All right. And did you go to Gen Con and or South by Southwest? I went to both. Perfect. Did you write an article for work about D&D? No. My boss keeps asking me, but I keep saying, look, you don't quite get it, man. (laughs) And did you start a play-by-post game? Nope. Man, Ishan, you are a terrible human being. Yes. Let me guess. You haven't been to the gym in six months either. (laughs) I'm still paying every month, though. So I think that counts. (laughs) They love you there. (laughs) All right, Shane. I have your resolutions in front of me. Mm -hmm. They're called low-hanging fruit. All right. So did you get Keith Baker on the show? I did. I think Keith Baker got Keith Baker on the show. True. No, no, no. It's okay. You get a point for that. Did you get Shadow of the Demon Lord to the table? A virtual table, but I did, yes. I think you really meant our table. The book did sit on this table. It did sit on the table. Uh, We have multiple characters rolled up for Shadows of the Demon Lord. Fair. Okay. Did you participate in Extra Life and thereby raise money for kids? I did not. I ran out of time this year. So So did kids. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. To be fair, you did it last year. I did. So you just need to do it twice? I need to, yeah, do twice as much fundraising. There we go. Did you write more on Mundangerous.com and feature guest writers? I did not feature any guest writers. I wrote more words, I think, on average. I think that was all that one rant about the Ranger. I covered the Ranger, covered uh, some rules for Dark Heresy, also talked about some characters that I had created. And, uh, and oh, by the way, I wrote a game this year, so... Did that go on Mundangerous.com? It has not yet, because I've been mm. waiting to release it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to wait just a few days so we can be eligible for a 2017 thrilly? I can't. I can't get behind that kind of home cooking. <laughs> also, it might not be that great. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and lastly, did you run a longer term campaign? I did. You did. So I feel like I checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. S- certainly, at least three times you, as many as you did. You checked many small boxes. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, with our stunning failures firmly behind us, let's talk about next year's resolutions, of which we are certainly going to make fewer. Oh, yeah, let's let's do that. It's a great idea. All right, so my first one is I would like to finish compiling material to put on the Dungeon Masters Guild. Yeah, we've talked about it at various times this year. And, and we're like halfway done with multiple things. Yeah, but we need to just finish one of them. Yeah. So I would like to write another micro RPG as my first resolution. Did you say another? Another, because I already wrote one. Remember, we covered that in the mundangerous.com section. Right. Uh, I hear it's a strong contender for a 2017 thriller. Uh, <laughs> early voting. <laughs> it's it's the only thing on the docket thus far. Thus far, yeah. Have you paid your entry fee? I have not. <laughs> well, then you're getting a bill. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. What's your next resolution? I... This is completely selfish. I am going to rebuild my Firefly wiki. Oh, my God. Wait, okay, look. I started building it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was in amazing... It was it was amazing. Uh, it took me a freaking month, and I was unemployed at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I believe uh, it's fun employed. Yeah. It is all the background information that you need to run a Firefly game in any system. It's system agnostic. So I'm planning on running you guys through a a relatively short Firefly game, probably using Edge of the Empire. Uh, I just need to get that wiki like back into shape because like my CSS has fallen apart in, you know, a decade. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I went all out. 
Would you like to be the featured guest writer on mundangerous.com <laughs> writing about your Firefly wiki? Only like a third of it is stolen from RPG books. It's, it's probably fine. Perfect. Yeah. That's the type of liability I like to open myself up to. <laughs> your second resolution, Shane? I want to read Warhammer Fantasy 3rd Edition. Fantasy Flight Games has lost the license to Games Workshop products, mm-hmm. so I picked it up on the cheap. It is a big box with lots of components, cards and chits and tokens and all types of different stuff. Crazy dice. Crazy cool dice. Uh, I I I want to read the damn thing. I don't think I'll ever get to play it, but I want to really? read it. I want to read it. I mean, I'm into playing it. I don't have the expansion that's required to get six-player characters, uh, so it'll have to be a backup game at best. Unless someone wants to... Die. I was going to say mail it to you as a bribe. Oh, but, that know. would... Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's probably easier than killing one of our players. Or, or three. Two. We have to kill... Yeah. <laughs> Probably only two, so we keep quorum. Yeah, <laughs> we probably need to kill a couple, like literally a couple, because if we kill like two people, yeah, then they'd two be sad. Yeah. Well, then they they might leave because right. I'm sure at least some of them only come because of their significant other. Okay, let's uh let's get off of this. I mean, they, topic. they will now, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> What's your third resolution? It's the opposite of most people's New Year's resolution. Uh huh. I'm going to be more active on social media. Oh, great. Like we needed more snark in the world. I, th- I think we did, actually. Uh, I prefer to be a passive receptacle mm-hmm. when it comes to social media, but I always think, oh, I should respond to that or answer that. That's what I should do, right? Oh, working. Okay. Yeah. Fine. So work less, tweet more? Yeah. Or tweet at work. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Th- that's efficient. That's good. And think of it this way. This year, I'm not getting married. Touche. I mean, as far as I know. Right. Yeah. All right. And your final resolution. Uh, I want to run Adventurers League again. That really? Was a, it was a rewarding experience. I was uh, The more I thought about it, the, the more surprised I, I am at myself. But I, I think that would help me get plugged into local game stores and, and a little bit more connected to the gaming community in New York. Um, and I think that would be good for us is having a podcast right uh from a promotional standpoint and i think it's also a great way to be an ambassador for the game to new players i agree with you i do want to point out that you called it a rewarding experience which usually means i couldn't say fun (laughs) Uh, no i I want to say something positive i did have fun okay i did do you hear that ishan that is everyone at 20-sided store groaning because now you're probably going to show up and run a game. No, no, no. That's the sound of me backpedaling. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which means it's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan, at Evil Sends Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us, if you can't fit it into 140 characters, at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at TotalPartyThrill. All right. This week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building everyone's most maligned hero, if you can even call him a hero, <laughs> Aquaman. He's an anti-hero. Uh, he's anti-worth reading, <laughs> I guess. Don't hate me, Rich. <laughs> I think we're going to get a lot of tweets about this. I don't even like comic books, and I know that you're supposed to hate Aquaman. <laughs> 
I mean, he was very hateable in the 70s. Mm-hmm. We are continuing a theme of building a Justice League character, because last week we did The Flash, and also using material from Volo's Guide, because last time we used it to Baxi, and this time, well, obviously it's a Triton, because we looked at the Triton and went, oh, it's, it's, a, it's, blue, it's a blue Aquaman. Yeah. 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 All right. Now, I will say I am a fan of Aquaman in his recent incarnations. You mean, you'll say very quietly and not in a crowded room <laughs> that you're a fan of Aquaman. Hey, when he cut off his freaking hand, that was... And then he replaced it with like a like a harpoon, a fish, basically. With a fish, right? It was a fish? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was probably a fish. Okay, good. Yeah. But then he got like a weird water hand and that was... Shark for a hand would be awesome. Dumb. Yeah, I agree. Oh, we should do that. Is there... <laughs> Okay. Hold on, I'm rebuilding Wait, this. Focus. Give me a second. Focus. <laughs> so, for people who don't know how lame Aquaman is, mm-hmm. what are some of his core abilities? Uh, he wears orange and green at the same time. Uh, I mean, it takes a certain type of man to pull that off, and I guess Jason Momoa is up to it. Look, when uh, you live at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, no one sees in color anyway. Fair enough. So, no one can tell that you can cla- that you clash. That's not a bad point. Well, he speaks with fish. Okay. Uh, or c- commands fish, whatever. Something like that. Okay. Uh, he's the king of Atlantis. Uh-huh. And he's got a trident, right? Yeah. Because he's in the water. It's a pretty sweet trident. So okay. he fights with a trident. So what makes him different from the Little Mermaid's father, other than the beard? He has legs. Oh, okay. <laughs> that seems important. Yeah. And he doesn't talk to crabs. He talks to fish. <laughs> okay. Babe. Great. All right. So what's the build? Bear with me. Uh huh. Warlock two. All right. Barbarian three. Okay. Purple Dragon Knight fifteen. All right, break it down for me. Yeah, this is one of our weirdest builds. So warlock, Absolutely. you're going for the speaks with beast incantation invocation. Right? That's exactly it. Anytime you see warlock two, that means someone wanted two invocations, right? Or, or really wanted their dad to be Poseidon, who is of course <laughs> a fae. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sea fae. So yeah. Aquaman does have interactions with Poseidon. So we're just going with that as uh, his patron. Okay. Also, since we don't go to Warlock 3, we don't have to deal with uh, different kinds of packs. They just really don't fit him at all. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Now, you also get one other invocation. You could go with Devil's Sight, which lets you see in darkness because Tritons don't get dark vision. Right. And Which is Aquaman dumb. lives in the bottom of the Marianas Trench where there is no light. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to do that, you could go with Agonizing Blast or Repelling Blast, both of which will make sense in a little bit. So then you've got Barbarian 3. We're just going to go Bear because... Orca. Yeah, the, sorry, yes. The Bears of the Ocean. Orca Totem because he's super tough. And Orcas are the Bears of the Ocean. Yeah, yeah. The, the Grizzly Bears of the Ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Purple Dragon Knight, which we rarely use because it is not one of the most amazing fighter subclasses. Which is fitting that it would then be applied to Aquaman. <laughs> but it's very warlordy. And remember, he's the king of Atlantis. True. True. So he is a leader of troops. Mm-hmm. So Purple Dragon Knight gets you, of course, the fighter goodies, bunch of attacks. Expertise in persuasion. Exactly. At level seven but you also get uh when you use your second wind other allies around you also regain hit points when you use your action surge starting at 10th level 
other allies can make attacks. So you attack, then you attack again, and that rallies your troops to attack again. Uh-huh. And then your capstone ability, uh, level 15, is uh, when you re-roll certain kinds of saving throws, then other allies can also re-roll saving throws. That's party friendly. As long as our king stands, we stand. Fair. Now, remember, with two levels of Warlock, you also have, hopefully, Eldritch Blast, right? That's one of the cantrips you picked. And remember, he's got this crazy trident that sometimes shoots beams of energy. That's what Wikipedia tells me. <laughs> That's your Eldritch Blast, which is why you might want to take Agonizing Blast. No, so it hurts no, more, no, no, no. Or Repelling so it pushes people away. No, see, but it's a dumb ability, which is why you don't take any invocations to enhance it. No, it's a crazy strong trident. As a trident? Agreed. No, no, I mean, like, it shoots it, it shoots pretty t- hardcore blasts. Uh-huh. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> also, I've decided it's not Poseidon. It's not, not, it's not his patron. It's Ursula. Oh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> the old sea hag herself. <laughs> Which kind of hag is that? Oh, my God. A Little Mermaid campaign where Ursula is like a freaking S- hag. Sea hag. Is that one of them? Sea yeah, hag? That's just it's, what it's called, yeah. Oh, my God. That would be a... Oh, great. Now I'm going to think about this for a decade. Yeah, but they're super low CR. They're like CR3. Going to bump her way. She's part of a coven, obviously. Yeah. She's got Flotsam and Jetsam. <laughs> right. The, the eels. Yeah, they're a coven. <laughs> Duh. Great. <laughs> All right. So uh, give me the tweet version of your Aquaman background because you want to participate in social media. At Umbral Walker. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but this is actually a pretty sweet build. It's Aquaman great i don't have a backstory it's freaking aquaman yep fair enough what about you what's your backstory for aquaman uh he was indeed the leader of a uh of a colony of tritons okay. that lived in the shallows near a settlement uh they were wiped out by uh, let's go with pirates okay yeah. and uh now he is the last remaining survivor and has washed up on shore and intends to avenge himself against the sahagan uh, look, I said pirates. I didn't say Sahagan okay. because these aren't Aventi, mm-hmm. even though Aventi are canonically cooler than Tritons. And they're OP. Yeah. But yeah, screw the Sahagan too while we're at it. I like it. I really thought you were going to head in a SpongeBob SquarePants direction. <laughs> he lives in a... Da, 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 right. da, 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 da. Bear with me. He lives beneath the sea. <laughs> he has square pants. <laughs> Big yellow top. Friend is a starfish. Lives in a pineapple. It's a very salty pineapple. Works for a crab. It'll be great. Is that crab also red? Uh, pinkish, right? But gills. Yeah, definitely yeah. gills. All right. Now that we're talking about SpongeBob SquarePants, it is time to request that you support the show. The easiest way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're willing to help us out, we'll read your five-star review on the air. You can also find us on Stitcher. It's like a Pandora for podcasts. If you like or favorite us there, the algorithm will help other people find us. And as always, you can find us on Google Play. We do have a new five-star review. It's by Net Pyro. Inspiring campaigns and outside-the-box thinking, five stars. What a great podcast for any GM or player. These two are amazing at breaking down the thought process for GMs and players, allowing everyone at the table to improve all aspects of their game night. I also highly recommend their Twitter accounts. Super funny and responsive. Thumbs up. Clearly wasn't talking about your Twitter account. Well, <laughs> I actually only write to NetPyro. <laughs> oh, that explains it. DMs over and over. <laughs> All right. What do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about 
setting the tone and in the character creation forge we're building the inventor well that's it for episode 74 of total party thrill i hope we've lived up to our name but either way i'm shane and i'm ishan thanks for listening How did Sebastian spend so much time under the sea? Doesn't he need to breathe air? No. Crustaceans have gills. What? Yeah, crabs have gills. This doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) (laughs) Crabs have gills. Hold on. Three broad categories. Oh, there are aquatic crabs. Uh Uh-huh. Intertidal and terrestrial. Some crabs have gills. Okay, but Sebastian has gills. Uh, he shouldn't. He's red, which means he's dead. He's a cooked crab. Cooked crabs have gills. Probably not working. All right, it's magic. It's Jamaican magic. Right. <laughs> anyway, you can you can use that for the for the cold open. All right, Ishan. What's the build?